Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Hilary Zwallen. And I'm Amy Schreiber. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. This is part two of a conversation on shamanism. Today, Hillary continues the interview with Danielle Bryan, who is a practitioner of shamanic energy medicine, and they focus on the medicine wheel. You'll learn all about what that is and the healing work that is associated with each of the four directions. And if you haven't heard part one of this discussion, which is episode 11, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that for a great introduction to shamanic philosophy, as well as Danielle's personal experiences that led her to this path. Enjoy! When did you start teaching the medicine wheel training? And I, I want to get into that. Can you explain like, when you started teaching it and what exactly the medicine wheel mm-hmm. is for our yeah. listeners? The medicine wheel is a map. It is an archetypal map that is rooted again in the Incan traditions, okay, because there are many medicine wheels out there in the wide, wide world of earth medicine based traditions and practices. So the medicine wheel rooted in this tradition, the Incan traditions, starts in the south. In the South, we work with the archetype of serpent, and we look at the stories that have begun to live us, right? So the work of the South is looking at the story that we've become identified with, but not just that, but the story that has become our skin, the story that has become the way that we live, the story that has become um, limiting to us and rigid I love the visual of the story that has become our skin. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's, it's, I've heard the concept of, you know, what's your story and that people are really into their story, like they're really in their story and that's running them. But to get the actual visual of the story that becomes your skin, it feels so binding mm-hmm. and you really realize how it's not so easy to just dis de-identify with your story you know and that it's there is like this shedding process that has to happen so interesting that you put it that way so the shedding of the story you know looking at it and saying where where has this become binding where has it become limiting and and recognize that it's you know it it's a process to look at that and to really get clear with it. And then it's a choice. As you know, Hillary, it's a choice to decide, like, I'm going to shed this. I'm going to step out of this. No longer is this the way that I'm going to navigate my life and all my decisions that I make come from this story, essentially. So we Mm -hmm. look at that, we shed that, we step out of it. We move into the West. We work with the archetype of Jaguar in this medicine. And in the West, we look at the lineage lines, the genetic story, right? So now we're getting into family system. We look at what's the story that the family system has and how has that become my skin? How have I bought into the family system and have allowed for that story to live me? And we look at the karmic stories that we bring in, the imprints of other lifetimes that we've had that inform us in this lifetime. And and that could be a rabbit hole that you and I could dive into. So whether yes. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'd love to actually 
actually touch on that because I think depending on where your background is, karma is a really confusing thing. If you have no, if you have no, uh, reference to what that is, if you've been raised Christian or something, then you might just think, Oh, it's what goes around comes around. Like, so if I'm mean to someone, Mm -hmm. someone's going to be mean to me. And I, I felt like when we did the West, there are certain things that I think everybody blames their upbringing for, right? Like we all go through that process. And I was really shocked because I feel like I've done a lot of my own personal work Mm -hmm. in terms of childhood or whatever else. And I was really shocked at how much when when we finished the West thinking, wow, this is really just all me, man. This has nothing to do with my parents. This has nothing to do with my family or my lineage. I'm just going to honor that and recognize that. I mean, there is an influence there in in some way, but, but gosh, I, this is all me. This is my soul. So, so can you speak a little bit to karma in this in this yes, framework and what that would and, mean, what that you know, like, you know, I'm going to say to the listeners, take what works and leave the rest. Right. But there is this place when we talk about the karmic influence, right. the karmic story again, on one level, Hillary, it's exactly what goes around comes around. You put it out there. It's probably going to orchestrate itself back around in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And like then there's this deeper kind of level of the karma. Okay. And it's that place where, whether you believe in past lives or not, your soul essence is this spark of energy, vibration, frequency that existed before you were a body that came into form. Your soul energy is what inhabits your physical body and brings this experience to life. Right. And most traditions have this belief that when you die, your soul goes to heaven and you go back to God. Right. In some in some shape, way or form or, you know, a lot of traditions, if you weren't good, then you go to hell. But nonetheless, your soul is either welcomed back into the realms of God or you're outcast. Yeah. Damned to hell. And you know, for the record, I don't believe that, but nonetheless, these are our mythologies that we're working with. So, but anyway, before we had this body that was grown for us via our parents, genetic material. Okay. Right. So sperm and egg come together, massive cell division happens, all the miracle of you know, chemistry and biology and physiology happens and a body is grown. Holy smokes. <laughs> right? And right. So we, our spark of soul of energy comes in and inhabits this body and we, we come into form. And those of us who have kids, who have siblings, who, you know, just walk on the planet, recognize that everybody is uniquely their own person, right? So they came into form, they inhabit this body, they're making an experience. Now, they came into form as quanta of energy, as a soul, we call it. And that quanta of energy holds information, right? Just like I talked about receiving the initiations and the rites that come in in these um, lineage traditions that hold a body of wisdom. Your soul comes in, it inhabits this body, it holds wisdom, it holds information, and it holds wisdom and information 
that you came in with. Now, for those of us who believe in past lives, we would say that there is information, there are energetic imprints that we carry programs, if you will, from a previous experience, a previous lifetime, a past life. And so that encoding of energetic material of energetic programming comes into this lifetime. We, we come in with it and it will mm. inform and have influence over this lifetime to a degree, some more than others. Well, and it makes, it does explain when you look at your children and you think, gosh, they came in very differently with their mm -hmm. own identities, their mm -hmm. own personalities. Totally. My, my two kids, I mean, they view the world completely differently. Yeah. And I think I, you know, and I guess, I guess I would say I don't raise them both exactly the same because you can't relate to every human right. in exactly the same way. But I mean, they're given, given the basic constructs of like how we raise our kids and they're yeah. just very different people. And, and, um, so, I mean, that does, that, that, that explains it. If I want to honor that yeah. concept, that explains like why we all come in very, yeah. our own self. Like, it seems like whether it was, we were literally on the planet before incarnation or w whether we were mm -hmm. somewhere else living long before we came here, it, it feels like, gosh, there's, there's something going on, right? Yeah. Something so, going on there, right? so in the West, we look at that. We look at what those energetic imprints are that also become part of the bigger orchestration of our belief system and how the world works. We look at our limiting beliefs, those beliefs that were formulated through our lifetime or past, as we just explained, and become our full lens of how we see the world. Right. It's our belief systems that allow us to engage the world mm -hmm. in certain ways and make up our mind that this is how it is or this is not how it is. And we so we look at those places and we move beyond fear. We move beyond the death cycles that happen. There are many death cycles in one lifetime that happen. There are many endings of phases where when we become very familiar with how to let go so that we can be fully available for that that wants to be lived, it makes for a much easier journey through our lifetime. So the work of the West is looking at those places and looking at, at those shadow aspects of ourselves. And shadow aspects, again, high level, this is another topic that could be all by itself, but high level, it's those aspects and qualities of ourselves that we have put into shadow. Okay, so it's not just bad, negative, heavy stuff. Yes, that's in there. But there are also these aspects of ourselves that we've disowned or we believe we don't possess. And we put them into shadow. So when we admire somebody, when we look at something that somebody's doing and we just are awe inspired and we think oh my goodness look at the grace in which they're handling that look how charismatic they are i could never get up on stage and speak to 200 people that is an aspect of you that you have held in shadow because of that is available to you you may need to hone mm. that skill you may need to come into a right relationship mm. with it, right? And work through the insecurities or the blocks or the fears, mm -hmm. or you, it may require coaching, right? I mean, 
public speakers often work with a coach who helps them with their public speaking and how do you present and how do you speak to an audience and how do you hold a stage, right? So there may be some of that in there. But when we're seeing a quality outside of ourselves that we admire, that is something that lives inside of us too. So shadow doesn't just mean those like parts that um, we don't want to own, like our manipulation or our greedy side or our inflated ego side, right? Mm -hmm. All those places that we want to say, no, 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 not me. I don't do that. Well, chances are, (laughs) chances are it plays itself out in one way or another. And so we want to be able to look into those realms and, you know, from a place of non-judgment, recognize like, yeah, you know what? All of that lives in there. All of that lives in there. And when we can come into right relationship with it, it is not the thing that stalks us from an unconscious place. And that's where the choice and the beauty comes in. So work of the West. Then we move to the North, to the place of the wisdom teachings, to the place of the mastery of time, to the place of the soul's journey. And we look at all the roles that we take on all the labels that we take on and we want to see them all for what they are. And again, we want to recognize that we are not those roles in those labels, right? At the end of the day, who are we? Who is the essence of who we are? What is that magnificence of self? What is that unique frequency that is each one of us that precedes us? right? That the things that we do, those roles that we do in life are the things that we do. It's not who we are. And when we can recognize that and step out of it, we are much more free to step Mm. in and do the role that we're doing and also be fully intact with the essence of who we are. So if we're solely identified to mother or father, and our kids grow up and move out of the house, and that has been our sole identification in the world, Mm. then there is a massive life crisis that happens when there are no more children to raise. I feel like that happens even if you aren't solely identified (laughs) with your kids. I feel like there's, (laughs) like I've tried really hard to have an identity outside of my child, my children, I should say. But even like my youngest is getting ready to start first grade and I'm like having a, a freak out and I think, oh my gosh, I've mm-hmm. got to have an identity outside of my children because I can only imagine how painful it could be when I'm 50, you know, <laughs> if this happens, mm-hmm. but I see right. what you're saying. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so Hillary, this is perfect example because what it does is it bounces us back to the West for a minute. Right. And it bounces us back to that place of, can we recognize and learn how to move through the life death life cycle that happens in one lifetime. And so there's this beautiful place where you can recognize your youngest is about to go to first grade. It's going to change. Things are different. And so also in the medicine wheel and in this work, we work a lot with ceremony and the ceremonial rites of initiation and pathways through life. So for you specifically using that example, there's a beautiful opportunity to recognize the ending of one phase in the beginning of the next that can be marked Mm -hmm. in a beautiful ceremony where you can recognize that, you know, there 
is some sadness in this transition that's taking place and to honor the sadness, honor the journey of the kind of mother you've been to young children that require this kind of show up factor and that that's changing. And through all different kinds of ceremony, you can honor that transition and step into this new way of being you you know are you going to shed some tears maybe you know maybe you will and maybe you won't but it again it's that place of recognizing like wow there's a letting go in here and there's a stepping into something new and and that's really the more that we do it yes it becomes easier (laughs) when they move out of the house right so we've and this is this is kind of the point of ritual or ceremony where we would say this is really important to to create either our own ceremony to mm-hmm. market or how like can you explain more about the the ritual part of it or the ceremony yeah. part? I get the idea in concept, but but specifically, could you give me an example of something that either has been done yeah. or that could be done? So our listeners Absolutely. can grasp so, that. There can be, this is, again, it's probably a topic that we could go on and on with, but I'm going to give you a couple high level things. Ceremony, when we step into ceremony or ritual, what it does is it bypasses the limbic and reptilian brain. Okay, so our brain has its regions and within those regions of the brain are locked in certain ways of doing things and seeing things, habitual patterns that we've created in our lifetime, but also um, very animalistic, right? So we have the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, we have what we call the neocortex, we've got the prefrontal lobes, right? So there's these different regions of the brains. And another day, we can get into the the brain science. But um, so when we step into ceremony, we move out of that reptilian mammalian brain that holds that fight or flight that holds those places. Yep, of the fear and we step into or access the neocortex of the brain or what they call the new brain or the God brain. And so we are able to move out of the ego in the fear that comes in. And so an example of, you know, we'll, we'll stick with your example of your son going to first grade. So we, could do a ceremony where you sit around the table with your kids. There's this beautiful ceremony. We call it despacho ceremony in this tradition. And it's a prayer offering ceremony. And if you travel through South America and if you work with the Caro and the medicine men and women in South America, they always are working with despacho ceremonies, with prayer ceremonies. And, you know, there's a whole how-to that we could make available if listeners want to download the how-to of a despacho, okay, D, with a D for David, not a gazpacho, not a cold tomato soup, (laughs) but a despacho. And, you know, you get this big piece of paper, you sprinkle it with some sugar and with flowers and bay leaves, you create your prayer bundles, and you can do a whole honoring ceremony as a family where you name all the wonderful things about the phase of life that you've been in, right? All the wonderful things about your son coming home in the afternoon and all his special mommy time and all the things that you love to do with him and all the things that you've learned by being, 
you know, steeped in motherhood in that way. And you can each bring those to that piece of paper and lay them in the piece of paper, naming all the wonderful things. And maybe it's naming the things that you're sad about and naming the things that you may be anxious about in the future and naming all of it that comes up. And then after it's done, you know when it's done because you're complete. You feel like you've put into the despacho all the prayers that want to be said. And you sprinkle some more sugar on it. You put some confetti in it. You know, you let it be magical. And then you will fold it up and you'll burn it in a fire, in in a fire ceremony. And you release it and you let it go to the gods. You let it go to spirit. And it's a beautiful way to mark a transition, a beautiful way to name all the things that are true at the same time. Because it's really what we're, I mean, it's, it seems like that's all life is, right? Is it's painful transitions. I mean, there's beauty and there's happiness, but, but you, there, there at every turn, right? There's something that is changing and Mm -hmm. there's happy happy and sad sad. about it. Yep. To me, that's that's life, right? That's, that's all of it. And I find that with kids, Um, being a mother has taught me that more than anything and being so happy that they're finally sleeping through the night. And yet, but when they're sleeping through mm-hmm. the night, they're not as snuggly and little and, you know, dependent on you. Yeah. And, and yes, they're not dependent on you. Hooray. It's, but then they're not yeah, dependent on you. So sad, right? right? It's, so it's, it's a like, paradox. It's all yeah. of them. And so it's totally. many, many things. So, yes. yeah. So you can bring ceremony to it. So in the north of the medicine wheel, we bring... Um, a lot of ceremony to our life, a lot of recognizing and stripping down of those roles and those identities so that we come back to that place of the essence of who we are. We really recognize that essential of who we are. And and what we're doing is we're creating all this space in our energetic body, our energetic container to allow for more and more of that essential to come into form and to make an experience in this lifetime. And so we work a lot with um, creating that space and stepping into that. And we really look at our life from that soul's journey. And this is that place where we really step into the magic of what it means to be a co-creator with spirit in form to really, really step into that place of understanding that we are divinity making a human experience and that those lines start to get real blurry in the North. And we spend a lot of time um, mapping those upper realms, those spirit realms, and and working with creation and manifesting. And how do we take an idea of vision and be able to bring it into form? And from there, we move into the East and we work with the archetype of eagle. And we transcend all that we've been doing, right? So this is a nine-month training And we meet four times a year over the course of nine months. And as we come around to that east part of the medicine wheel, we look at the transcendence that's taken place. And we begin to look at the medicine wheel as a tool itself. 
So you spend these nine months really mapping and learning the medicine of the South and serpent and shedding, the medicine of the West and jaguar, and moving beyond fear, beyond death, those limiting beliefs, looking at those shadow realms into the North, the soul's journey, coming back to the essence of who we are, the gift in the divine orchestration. And in the East, we shift into this place of really sitting as the visionary of our life that is fully informed by our essential, recognizing that we have infinite possibility and what is it that wants to be made manifest and move through us? And how do we come into alignment with that if it's right for us? How do we be the dreamers of our world? How do we contribute to the ascension of humanity on the planet? You know, what is that place? We are the weavers of the time to come. So what does that really mean? And we look at the transcendence of the journey that we've taken and we land in the center of the wheel. We begin to live our life from the center of the wheel and recognize that the wheel's moving all around us. And once we've mapped Mm. and we've charted those quadrants and we know the medicine that each direction and archetype has to teach us, we move through our life from the center of the wheel and we we go about our life, right? And we recognize that there are times when we're caught in fear. We're caught in the way things have been and we feel the push of the universe. We know our life is asking us to let go and do something different, but dear God, that is not what I want to be doing, right? So we go, ah, West work. So what do we do? We jump into the West and we say, okay, okay, okay. I know how to work with this. I know how to move through my death process and let go so that I can be fully available for that which is coming in. And we do our work and we step back to the center of the wheel. And we move through our life and something comes up and happens and we recognize like, wow, boy, the story that I've been telling has really become restrictive and I need to really let go. I need to shed this aspect, this story. We know how to work with that. We move into the South. We work with it. We step back. This is... um something that I think, you know, you hear a lot about law of attraction and manifesting. And what I loved so much about my experience thus far in the medicine wheel is it can be a little trite and cliche when it's like, just, you know, focus on what it is that you want and then let it go. It's a lot of these intangible cliches where on the one hand, I'm all in, I'm like, I'm all in on the law of attraction. Totally get it. I think, you know, if you're radiating, bad, you know, low vibes into the world, you're, you're going to attract that. If you're, if you can, if you can see the possibilities for yourself, then you can achieve them and all the positive mental attitude stuff, but, but it can land in cliche land. Right. So, so what I loved about the medicine wheel is that you, you, you dig so deep in your own personal work on so many levels that you're, you're, you've shined a light on all the things that are stopping you. Yeah. So, you know, when they pop up, yeah. so when you are wanting to manifest whatever it is that's coming up for you, you're, you're able to source what is stopping you yeah. instead of being like, why isn't it happening for me? Why isn't it working for me? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You're able to, to see things and see how you're allowing your perception of this world or this earth or whatever to control 
your mind mm-hmm. in that moment and, and and that's creating your experience mm-hmm. and, and creating your yeah. pain in a way that that is that, that could be overcomeable with it if, if you can work right. through that right it becomes you know how we hold the world becomes our reality everything is a big projection we're projecting out all the time so what are we projecting out if we're holding this limiting belief that says this is unattainable for me or i can't have it or i'm not worthy or i'm not good enough or i'm not educated enough right then we come right mm-hmm. up against that edge and that's where it's either the massive roadblock that we can't get around or we recognize I'm at my edge. We recognize the illusion in it, Hillary, also, right? We recognize that like the I'm not good enough comes up and we can work with that. And and this is what we learn through the wheel is that if that comes up, I have now the awareness and the skill set. Because through the wheel, you are developing all these skill sets and practices of how to work with the very thing that comes up when we're at our edge. (laughs) So we go back to our toolbox and we open it up and we say, what's in here? What, What do I need? Right. Do I need a fire ceremony? Do I need an illumination? Do I need to work the triangle of disempowerment? Am I a victim? Am I a perpetrator? Am I a rescuer? You know, have I become so rigid in my thinking that this is how the world operates that I can't see outside of that box? Um, Am I so clinging to how my attachment of how I want it, that I can't recognize that something is trying to come in that is a much easier way of moving into what I want to cultivate, right? I mean, we begin to recognize, am I pushing the boulder uphill or am I in the flow? Mm -hmm. And so when we can see that, then we can work with it and we can move past it. We can see like, wow, this dream that I have isn't moving through because I've come right up against my edge of um, intellect and education, right? Like I can't do that. I don't have enough degrees. And is that true is going to be the question. And maybe sometimes yes, and maybe sometimes no, but it's a worthy investigation. And that's what allows us to move through. And that's what allows for the cliche to no longer be cliche, right? It's what, you know, and I, the deeper understanding of what comes through this medicine and, you know, for the record, I am always a student to this medicine. Yes, I am teaching it. Yes, I've been in practice for, you know, 12, 13 years, but it is always teaching me and I hit my edges just like everyone else. (laughs) And right. I go dig through my toolbox, just like everyone else. And well, I think this is an important thing, too, because there, there's two things I wanted to discuss before we part. And one is kind of the unethical shaman. Mm. I feel like there's always in any religion slash spiritual practice. I've seen this in yoga communities, not personally, but I've read stories about it and I've heard stories about it and I've seen it in in lots of different religions, but, but there's so much power when you're a charismatic leader, right? I think there's something that can happen where uh, I've seen uh, 
like one of my biggest beefs and where I have so much distrust is when I see like some of these like spiritual leaders or really charismatic religious people that are, that are kind of like acting like they have all the answers or like that they're, or they're, that they're kind of infallible, Mm -hmm. you know? So I wanted to talk about the, the hierarchy because part of my, part of the reason I decided to leave the religion of my origin. Um, and w- and one of the reasons why I feel like I still have a little taste of bitterness is not so much around Christian principles or Christ's teachings, but more mm-hmm. about hierarchy mm-hmm. and patriarchy. And so the thing you explained this to me in the North, but you talk, talk a little bit about uh-huh. the horizontal hierarchy in in this tradition. And, and I think in a lot of similar traditions mm-hmm. and sitting with the wisdom keepers versus the the vertical hierarchy that we've seen so much with only a few people can be the priests or only a right, few people right. can have the power. So in this in this tradition, in this path, there is um the understanding that we are always students and teachers of this living medicine, of this living tradition. And everybody holds wisdom. And everybody holds the ability to access that wisdom and to expand into it. And again, remember this path in these earth medicines say, you have the direct channel to God. Guess what? You are God. Right. <laughs> guess what? <laughs> and so, guess what? Jokes <laughs> 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 on you. Right? Yeah. So there's that um, understanding already that not one person has your answer or knows more than your innate wisdom in your innate self. Now, what I have is a decade of walking this path and living it and witnessing how it has shifted and changed my life and how it has grown me and how I've become shaped by it. And there's wisdom in that, right? There's life experience really in Mm -hmm. that. And that is what I can turn around and share with you. And that I have put in a big study to these traditions and these teachings and the wheel and that I am now in a place where I can go back and share it with a group of people and be facilitator and say, Hey, you know, there's this way that you can come to it that has been proven over a really long time that it's pretty effective and it works. Like it's just really cool stuff. You want to give it a shot, (laughs) you know, and take you through the process, but you're doing it. And in this tradition, when we come to the North, you know, the ceremonial piece, the rites of initiation in the North are the claiming your seat at the fire of the medicine men and women of all time, the saints and the sages Mm -hmm. of all time, and that we come and we sit in circle with all those medicine men and women. We sit in circle with the lineage. We sit in circle with the saints and sages of all traditions of all time. And we come together and we share our wisdom and our knowledge and we learn from each other. But there is no one person in that circle who holds authority over another, who holds power over another. I love the visual of a circle that there, that we really are all on the same level. We're all interconnected. 
there's no yeah. rough edges. Yeah. You know, and it's been it's so beautiful, stunning. And to really recognize, you know, for me, and we talk about like where guru status comes from or where the ego takes over for the person who right. wields the power, if you will, of a tradition or a, a body of wisdom teachings is where, you know, they get lost in the abilities that they've created and cultivated and start to use it as a source of power and manipulation. And we, we see that all over the place. And um, that's very human tendency, right? Because we can slip into that place of, mm -hmm. you know, if we have not healed our wound of not good enough or justifying our existence on the planet or worthiness or um, needing to be seen for who we are. And all of a sudden we have access to these realms and we know how to work with the spirit realms. Right. We know how to work with energy. And all of a sudden we can see, we see how profound it is in the deep impact and effect that it has. And our wound is still alive and well, that mm. is the slippery slope into that place of sitting in guru status and thinking that you hold something over somebody else. Or maybe falling into the trap of like worshiping the guru or giving your power to the guru yeah. and saying, I don't have this. So I need, cause I see that. I think as humans, we want leaders. Like we so desperately want to have someone to show us the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we look for, for people to give our power yes. to and say, Hey, please lead me. And not, and not that there can't be benevolent leadership and that there can't be someone who models the path for you. But I find that it, if we, if we are, haven't been willing to look at our shadow places, then we can oftentimes say, I'd rather give my power away and say, this person told me to do it so I can just yeah. do it. And then they'll yep. be accountable. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's relinquishing yeah. some accountability. And it, is too. A, it is giving our power away. And so, you know, the minute we find that happening, we want to, we want to investigate it and and take a look because somewhere we feel like we don't have it or we're not deserving or we shouldn't or we can't or whatever, whatever, whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's a two-sided coin. You know, I sit in a classroom as in the role of teacher, but I am always a student in that classroom. You know, the, the makeup of that class by the people who are in it become my teacher. <laughs> and so I am always a student of the class that I happen to be sitting in the role of teacher of. And so just recognizing all of that and recognizing that we're always learning, recognizing that we're human, recognizing that we're all on our soul's journey. And, um, you know, we're going to move through all those same aspects. I always say on day one to my class, like you have the opportunity to pack up your stuff and walk out right now, because what I'm going to tell you is this is no guarantee that when you move through all of this, you're going to come out on the other side and you're not going to be faced with challenge and life isn't going to throw you some curveballs and that you're not going to go through suffering and pain, right? It's like life is still going to be life. And what you have created as you journey through the wheel is a skill set, a practice, 
and uh, enough space and recognition, and you've brought healing to those core wounds that tend to drive all of our unconscious pattern behavior. And when we create enough space in there and we cultivate the practices and we build up our toolbox, now we can navigate our soul's journey because life is still going to be life. Danielle, thank you. Thank you so much for this today. I'm going to end it right there on that high note. There's still so much I want to talk to you about. I'm hoping we can have you one more time to discuss all the fun (laughs) woo-woo stuff that we didn't even get to. Perfect. (laughs) Thank you, Hillary. Wonderful. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening, and we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.